Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Sunday, it's 28 October. Time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And let's see here. I've got a uh, bandana on from Tim Kreeth. He was going to come here. He came to Florida and he got uh, something happened. He wasn't able to attend with us at the Superior Word, but he had this for me and instead he put it in the mail to me along with about four other bandanas. And so I'm in heaven because the next five weeks, I don't have to think of what to wear. I just grab one in an order and, and put them on. But um, I want to send hello to him. To his wife, Myra, Patty, Mary, Kevin, Scott, and any others who come to meet together at his house to watch the uh, Prophecy Updates. They all gather together, and uh, that's pretty wonderful that they do that, you know. So I just want to extend my hellos to them because uh, they watch this one and uh, two other Prophecy Updates of people that I could recommend. And other than that, there aren't many I could recommend. But uh, anyway, good job there, and thank you very much for the bandana, and hello to all of you. And let's see here from uh, our first category, which is always Israel. I want to let you know that uh, 30 rockets were sent into Israel in the past couple days. 10 were intercepted, okay? Now, the reason why I mention that, because most people saw this on the news, uh, they will let the ones that are not any danger to anybody fall to the wayside, okay? There's no point in uh, blowing them up in the sky. And the reason why is because each intercept of a rocket costs 50 thousand dollars that patriot or the david sling or all of these different systems they have they're very expensive and um israel responded with blasting 87 targets in gaza so they did a good job they blew up a couple main uh, uh sites of the hamas militants etc but they did as they always do which i would not do I, I got to tell you, I would not do this, but they go in and they send in door knockers first. We are going to destroy this building. Anybody in, get out. They give them a couple notices, and then they level the building. Well, they got no notices when those rockets were being fired into Israel. And so, as far as I'm concerned, they had to just go and take care of business. But they do, and these people are allowed to continue and devise more devious plans against Israel. So, it shows you the gracious nature of Israel as well as our own nation, which does this type of things. And so it's good that I'm not the leader of this nation because I'd be not doing it the way that we generally do it. Anyway, I've got a couple of articles. I know this is not how you pronounce his name. Please do not correct me. Don't send me an email saying you pronounced his name wrong. The guy Khashoggi, okay, that has made all of the news forever. I got a couple articles, one here and one in the Islam section for you. I want you to understand why this has been such a big deal. I'm not going to give a lot of comments on why. I'm going to let you hear the articles, and then you can develop your own ideas as to why they've made such a big deal of this in the press. Because, listen, our previous president allowed American citizens in Benghazi to be destroyed, and the press said nothing except against uh, the people that said something correct about the president's negligence, right? They don't care that this guy died. They couldn't care at all. The reason why is behind the scenes. So here's the first article on it. Khashoggi's killing threatens Trump's dreams for Israeli-Palestinian peace. Okay? In recent months, the Trump administration has repeatedly put off the release of its long-awaited Israeli-Palestinian peace plan. Now, the death of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi at the hands of Saudi agents may put the plan into a deep freeze. 
Saudi Arabia's powerful crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, was meant to be the linchpin of the plan, providing key diplomatic cover to both Israelis and Fakistanians. But with the Saudi prince's credibility facing serious questions following Khashoggi's death, President Trump may soon have to rethink his Mideast strategy. It definitely complicates their plans to release their proposal, if indeed they had one, uh, said Dan Shapiro, who served as Obama's ambassador to Israel. Now, what they're saying is that Saudi Arabia was going to be the, the link between these negotiations of Trump. The press knew this. Everybody else outside knew this. And how can we stop this from happening? How can we stop Trump from getting what he desires so that he can get reelected and continue his uh, objective? So this is one of the reasons. It's not the whole reason. But please understand, this has something to do with the press pushing this narrative. All right. Trump took office promising a new approach to peacemaking between Israel and the Fakistinians. Criticizing decades of failure by his predecessors, he named a Mideast team headed by his son-in-law and advisor, Jared Kushner. The team has deep ties to Israel and the West Bank settler movement. The Trump admin notably refused to endorse the establishment of a Fakistanian state, distancing itself from the two-state solution favored by the international community for more than two decades. Instead, Kushner's team turned to the Saudis, hoping that the kingdom's deep pockets and prestige in the Arab world could somehow help bring the Israelis and fakes together. Kushner struck up a special relationship with the crown prince, portraying him as a swashbuckling force, a leader who could help modernize a troubled region. Last year, Kushner paid a secret visit to Saudi Arabia to discuss his strategy for Israel and the fakes. At the same time, Prince Mohammed's credibility has taken a beating with a series of questionable decisions in recent months. He has pushed for an unsuccessful blockade of Qatar, led a bloody and unpopular war in neighboring Yemen, and abruptly cut off ties with Canada after its foreign minister criticized Saudi Arabia. Although the prince has not been directly implicated in the death of Khashoggi at a Saudi consulate in Turkey, the slaying has raised further questions about his suitability to lead. A U.S. official familiar with the peace effort said the team remains committed to its plan and does not expect the crisis surrounding Khashoggi killing to affect it. We'll see. The official added, however, that the team has not yet discussed the matter since the Saudis confirmed Khashoggi's death and plans of a discussion in the coming days. He said it remains unclear when the proposal will be made public. He spoke on condition of anonymity because he was not authorized to discuss the issue with the media. Israel and the Fakistinians, wary of antagonizing the Saudis, have said little about Khashoggi's killing. Israel has not commented, though Prime Minister Netanyahu last week boasted in speeches about his improved behind-the-scenes ties with moderate Arab countries in apparent reference to Saudi Arabia. Abbas, meanwhile, expressed his absolute confidence in the Saudis last week. So you can see that this is a problem. The world does not want these things to happen. And so they are coming against something that otherwise would not have been a story at all. People get killed all the time. We've got illegals coming into the nation by the truckload that want to kill us. And the press doesn't care. Diddly. Okay, so we have to keep things in perspective and understand why these things are being said. I've got another article coming up on the same issue in a few minutes. For now, from the Russian Times, Saudis have been helping the U.S. a lot with respect to Israel, funding a lot of things, says Donald Trump. 
U.S. President Donald Trump said Saudi Arabia has been helping the U.S. with Israel, with which the kingdom has no official diplomatic relations. It marks the first time that Trump has publicly recognized the sneaky alliance. There you go. There's a confirmation of what that first article said, because this came out just a day ago. From Fox, Iran sent Hezbollah advanced weapons to turn rockets into precision missiles, new flight data suggests. Now, I included this article. It's a few days old, but I included it for a reason, which I'll explain in a minute. American and Western intel sources believe Iran has been increasing its shipments of advanced weaponry to Hezbollah, deliveries that now include GPS components to make previously unguided rockets into precision-guided missiles, increasing the threat to Israel. Western intel sources said the Iranian cargo plane carried weapons components, including GPS devices to make precision-guided weapons in Iranian factors inside Lebanon. The U.S. and Israel, as well as other Western intel agencies, have offered evidence that Iran has operated similar weapons factories in Syria and Yemen, in addition to Lebanon. Last month, at his address at the UNGA, Prime Minister Netanyahu shared photos of what he said were three Hezbollah secret sites near Beirut's international airport, locations where the GPS components from Tehran were being assembled to turn the rockets into precision-guided missiles capable of striking deep inside Israel with an accuracy of 10 meters. Western sources told Fox News the weapons components from this week's chartered 747 flight from Tehran were bound for these Hezbollah secret sites near the Beirut airport to target Israel in the future. Why did I include that? It's because of what has been happening with Gaza this past week. As I said, they only took down 10 of 30 rockets that came in. When these are actually on those rockets coming out of Lebanon, they will have to shoot down every single rocket that comes in. It will be hugely expensive, and they will have to have massive stores of these retaliatory rockets to get these out of the skies before they kill people. So this is a real serious thing. It's going to cost Israel millions and millions and millions of dollars because of this. And that's an important thing for us to consider. It's an important thing for us to support Israel when they go in and blow up those weapons factories without having a declaration of war. They need to do this because it is implicitly already a declaration of war in Lebanon by having these things. Israel never goes on the offensive against their enemies unless it is absolutely necessary. Okay? They do that to protect themselves. They do not arbitrarily go attack other nations. So we need to support Israel in this. From Christian News Today, from CBN, evangelicals are the primary target. Meet the Christian group working to turn you against Israel. All of you people that support Israel, these people want you to change your minds. Evangelical Christians are some of Israel's biggest supporters in the United States. However, there is a movement to turn evangelicals against Israel, and it's coming from other Christians. For the first time in its history, Christ at the checkpoint. It's a bunch of liberal uh, Fakistinians that have got this thing to get you to turn against Israel. Christ at the checkpoint hosted its biannual conference in the United States. The event was created by Fakistinian Christian activists in Bethlehem in 2010. This year, Christian leaders from around the world gathered in Oklahoma City to condemn Christian Zionists and fight Israel's occupation of Fakistinian land. From the beginning, the target of CATC, which is Christ at the checkpoint, has been Christian Zionists. This remains the primary target. 
That being said, many of the speakers at the conference go out of their way to make a distinction between Jews and Zionists. For them, criticizing Zionism is not anti-Semitism, but certainly for many Jews, there is no distinction between being Jewish and being a Zionist, unless you're a liberal Jew. So they, they can get away with this because there's a bunch of flaming liberal Jews in the world that aren't Zionists. They couldn't care doodly squat about Israel or Zionism, and so they can say this without being considered uh, anti-Semites. They believe the distinction gives them the protection they seek. It doesn't, though. While CATC says it rejects any forms of anti-Semitism, Jewish and Christian leaders are outraged by the conference's eagerness to invite speakers known for promoting anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. One of those speakers is Reverend Dr. Stephen Sizer, a retired priest from the Church of England who faced backlash after supporting claims that Israel was behind the 9-11 terror attacks. Well, there are lots of evangelicals that believe that as well. And so, you know, people don't think clearly in the world today. We believe conspiracy theories simply because they are out there. We watch something on YouTube and we pull at our face and we say, oh, me and oh, my. Every conspiracy theory out there, somebody falls prey to. In the book of Isaiah, it says, do not call everything a conspiracy that they call a conspiracy. Don't believe these things. There's a bunch of nonsense out there, but... There you go. The CATC's manifesto states the suffering of the Fakistanian people can no longer be ignored. I have no idea why they call themselves Fakistanians, but there you go. Anyway, and that evangelicals must reclaim the prophetic role in bringing peace, justice, and reconciliation in Fakistan and Israel. Meanwhile, the organization has accused Israel of being an apartheid state, participating in ethnic cleansing and creating a crucifixion system against the Fakistanians. So there you go. If you see Christ at the checkpoint, click off of that site. Okay. From BBC, this is really important. This entire uh, update here and pretty soon is going to start focusing almost solely on Vladimir Putin. Okay. The next article has a lot to do with that. Here we go. Russian Orthodox Church severs links with Constantinople. In a major religious split, the Russian Orthodox Church has cut ties with the body seen as the spiritual authority of the world's Orthodox Christians. This has gone on for a long, long time, and it is over. And this bears heavily on what Vladimir Putin is going to do in the world or his successor. But I would think maybe him. Okay. The break came after the ecumenical patriarch of Constantinople recognized the independence of the Ukrainian church from Moscow. The row is being described as the greatest orthodox split since the schism with Catholicism in 1054. Relations soured after Russia annexed Crimea from the Ukraine in 2014. Many Ukrainians accused the Russian church of siding with Russia-backed separatists in the east. Russia sees Kiev as the historic cradle of the Russian Orthodox Church, and the church now fears losing many of its 12,000 parishes in the Ukraine. Constantinople holds sway over more than 300 million Orthodox Christians across the world. The Russian Orthodox Church is by far the biggest. In practical terms, the Concern now is over what happens to the thousands of sites in Ukraine where services by the Moscow Patriarchate are held. And Russian President Vladimir Putin last week convened the country's Security Council to discuss the issue. Now, if you don't think that has a bearing on what's going to happen in this world, you are wrong. Okay, I don't know if you remember when Sergio was here when I was gone, I think it was about May, and he said that the Russian Bible is translated differently in Isaiah than it is by other Bibles. And it gives the Russians a, a out 
by coming against Israel in Gog Magog. Any other translation of the Bible will not say what it says, but it gives them an out. It's a very insightful thing that Sergio found. If you don't remember that, go back and watch his prophecy update because you will remember and you will understand that Russia is going to come against Israel. They're going to come with an alliance of nations, and they feel that their Bible justifies this. He speaks Russian fluently, folks. He's that he, That's his culture, right? That's where he came from before he moved to Israel. And he's a Russian Jew. He's a big Russian Jew, too. Anyway, um, so there you go. That's a very important thing. Next article. Listen to this. Yahoo. Russians will go to heaven in the event of nuclear war, says Vladimir Putin. Yes, he said that this last week. If you don't think that this is serious, you guys are seriously mistaken. I'm not talking to you in the church. I'm talking to anybody in the world that thinks that this is not a serious issue. This is hugely serious. Russians will go to heaven as martyrs in the event of a nuclear war because Moscow will only ever use nuclear weapons in retaliation, President Putin said. Now listen to this. He is the Russian Orthodox Church and the government are aligned hip and hip, okay? They are basically one entity. They work together. They come up with the same policies. They support the same divine revelation here. When Putin says something, the Russian Orthodox Church is not going to counter him on this. And so you see the serious nature of this. Oh, it's okay if our people die because you're all going to go to heaven because you're martyrs. This is a very serious issue. President Putin said, we have no concept of a preemptive strike, Putin told a forum of international experts in the southern city of Sochi in response to a question from the audience. In such a situation, we can expect to be struck by nuclear weapons, but we will not use them first. The aggressor will have to understand that retaliation is inevitable, that it will be destroyed, and that we, as victims of aggressions, as martyrs, will go to heaven. He's almost using Islamic terminology in a Christian church. They will simply die because they won't even have time to repent, he said to some laughter from the audience. Everybody know this is very serious stuff that's going on. We'll have more about Putin here coming up very soon from Islam today, from the front page mag. John Holler sent this on to me or uh, maybe posted it. I think he sent it on to me via email. But anyway, another interesting article on Khashoggi. Why the Washington Post fears the Freedom Center. Now, obviously, this is front page mag is the Freedom Center and they're defending themselves. But understand the underlying content of what he's saying. He's, he's defending his news organization, okay, which is kind of biased, but he's giving a, a defense of why. Now, listen to this. Hardline Republicans and conservative commentators are mounting a dark whisper campaign against Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington Post nervously warned. It was the third week of Khashoggi mania, and some difficult questions were being asked. The Washington Post had provided Khashoggi, a Hamas supporter and an old friend of Osama bin Laden, with column space in which to promote the agenda of the Muslim Brotherhood. Now remember, the Muslim Brotherhood is who our previous president supported overthrowing Egypt and all of the other northern African nations. Remember the Arab Spring? This is who he supported, and this is who that man was aligned with. Are you starting to see they do not want Trump to get this peace plan because they want to have the control of this situation? It had seized on the pretext of his disappearance and death to fracture the coalition against Iran, which our previous president set up once again, and advocate regime change in Saudi Arabia. These had also been Khashoggi's two fundamental Islamist goals, advocating uh, Muslim Brotherhood regime change under the guise of human rights 
had worked in Egypt, Libya, and other countries in the Arab Spring, but it faltered in Syria when people started asking difficult questions about the secular and democratic Muslim Brotherhood, supposedly democratic, and al-Qaeda militias. Now, the Washington Post was concerned that members of Congress were asking tough questions about Khashoggi, a secular and democratic Islamist advocating regime change in Saudi Arabia. It feared that they might undermine its exploitation of Khashoggi's death to pull America away from the anti-Brotherhood coalition of Saudi Arabia and the UAE and toward the pro-Brotherhood Turkey and Qatar. A cadre of conservative House Republicans allied with Trump has been privately exchanging articles from right-wing outlets. This is the Post writing, okay? These right-wing articles mention damaging facts like Khashoggi's ties to the Muslim Brotherhood and Osama bin Laden and that the paper wanted to bury. Earlier this year, Khashoggi insisted that Saudi Crown Prince Salman does not have to answer what moderate Islam means, but that it was Muslim Brotherhood clerics like Sheikh Yusuf Karadawi who had invented moderate Islam. Karadawi had praised Hitler for killing Jews in the Holocaust and expressed his desire that the next Holocaust be carried out by Muslims. The Post quoted four GOP officials who were apparently too afraid to name the names of the lawmakers and others who were passing around the info critical of Khashoggi because it would expose them as sources. The right wing, all these are in, uh, what do you call it, a posture or a, what? Quotation. Uh, quotation marks, thank you. The right wing sources were Patrick Poole, Mark Levine, and an article by me that the Post smeared as a story in far right front page mag. The Whisper campaign and hidden sources among Republicans could be mistaken as another smear of conservatives, but it's about a war for Washington, D.C., The Post claims that its advocacy for Khashoggi is motivated by its passion for a free press. But in trying to suppress dissenting views, like those in front page mag, it is showing that it is every bit as disdainful of a free press as Khashoggi was. Like Khashoggi, it's Islamist martyr who deplored that some in Saudi media were free to air pro-Israel views. The Post wants a press that agrees with it. It comes down to Israel, it comes down to President Trump, and it comes down to the alliances that our previous president made with Iran and tried to overthrow Egypt, tried to overthrow Libya and all of these other countries through the Muslim Brotherhood. Our previous president was one of the most damaging human beings ever in the history of this world. If he had his way for another eight years, you think what Stalin did was bad? I'm telling you, it would be pale in comparison to it. And it is coming. It is coming. The world is going into the tribulation period. But I, what if Hillary had won? She would have continued this on and we would have gone down the same path because she was a rubber stamp of her, her boss up in the White House. And these issues all revolve around Israel and the populist agenda or the nationalist agenda of Donald Trump. That's what it comes down to. We need to support our president. We need to pray for him. And even if you don't like Israel because they have admittedly many faults, they support homosexuality, they are not right with the Lord Jesus, it doesn't matter. God has placed them in the land for his sovereign purposes and the forces of wickedness in this world are coming against them and they're coming against our president. 
from American military news. Just a little side thing that is kind of interesting. Guatemala captured 100 ISIS terrorists. You don't think some of those people coming up with them are? As far as military and police services, it's not a real advanced country, but they were able to catch 100 ISIS terrorists. Here we go. As border security concerns rise as a result of the Honduras migrant caravan, Guatemala recently revealed that it has been battling ISIS for several years within its own borders. President Jimmy Morales delivered a speech at the Conference on Prosperity and Security in Central America, during which he announced that Guatemala had captured nearly 100 suspects connected to ISIS. We have not only detained them in our territory, they have also been deported to their countries of origin. Once again, if they captured 100, how many are out there that they have not captured? The U.S. has regarded Guatemala as a concern for national security due to the nation's use as a traveling route for ISIS and related terror groups on their destination to the United States. The DHHS and ICE both have designated such people as a special interest alien which is a foreign national originating from a country identified as having possible or established links to terrorism. Last year, Guatemala's National Civil Police revealed that it had discovered a human trafficking ring involving the transport of people from the United States from Pakistan, Afghanistan, India, Nepal, and Bangladesh. Serious stuff. Our president is in a box, and he wants to do now just... The border is shut. Nobody comes over anymore at all, and they will sue, and it will be opened up, and these people will be coming into our nation because of some liberal judge in Hawaii that has absolutely nothing to do except tear apart this American society. From Mongolia today, from TASS, Mongolia may join talks on Korean Peninsula denuclearization. Russia thinks it is possible that, once again, Russia's involved, that Mongolia might enter the six-party talks on the Korean Peninsula denuclearization comprising Russia, China, North Korea, South Korea, the U.S., Japan. Russia Deputy Foreign Minister Igor Morgolov said the restart of negotiations in this format was discussed earlier this week with the U.S. Special Representative for North Korea, a guy named Stephen Begun. He said, we make no secret of the fact that we believe it appropriate to restart six-party negotiations. At the same time, we allow for some changes in that format, the diplomat said. If we speak about a mechanism of peace and security in Northeast Asia, Mongolia is located there, and it is a part of Northeast Asia, along with participants in the six-party talks. It cannot be ruled out that Mongolia might enter those consultations at some stage, and then they could even become seven-party talks, Morgulov stressed. Now think of this. Some guy in England about three or four years ago said, Charlie, you should do a weekly update on Mongolia. It's Nowheresville, and we'll learn something about that country. And here they are starting to be a focus in many issues that we've seen over the past couple of years. So fun stuff. Um, Daniel 12 Technology, Mail Online. Meet, meet the Chugbot. You know when you chug something, the Chugbot. Robotic hand that can catch a beer and crush the empty can could revolutionize prosthetics. So they made a joke out of a beer can, but this thing can actually catch a beer can and crush it. This will help people that, you know, especially our soldiers. Cornell researchers have developed a next-generation robotic prosthetic hand. It uses a transmission to instantly switch between increased speed and strength, just like we do. The transmission is controlled by tendons in the hand that tighten and loosen. In a video, it can be seen nimbly catching objects and crushing an aluminum can. So it can do this that quickly. Wonderful stuff for our soldiers someday. Mail online. Scientists want to use ultra-hot space lasers to punch holes in clouds. 
giving us super fast satellite communications by 2025. Radio communication can no longer keep up with the demand for information. Instead, scientists are increasingly looking to lasers to transmit data packages. They can carry 10,000 times more information than conventional radio waves. Cloud cover has prevented the beams of light from reaching space until now, but now they have these super lasers that can go directly to the satellite through the clouds, and they think that this will be installed and ready to go by 2025. I think maybe the world will be falling apart by then, but we'll see. From Revelation Plagues, employees and executives are failing drug tests at shocking rates. New York City employees are squarely blaming a raging drug epidemic for much of the trouble they have filling jobs in one of the tightest labor markets in a generation. More local prospective workers are testing positive for substance abuse or showing up stoned for work, according to industry analysts. And even as weed is legalized in some places or viewed as a more socially acceptable drug, it's not just marijuana's job impairing side effects that bother these hiring managers. The abuse of hard drugs such as cocaine and methamphetamine has exploded and further threatens productivity. A 2018 report by Quest Diagnostics reveals 150% increase from 2013 to 2017 of methamphetamine positivity rates for workers tested in the wider New York region, which covers New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Drug abuse rates overall for workers tested in New York State were at 3.5% in 2017. 3.5% of the people you want to hire are show up and they've got you know drugs in them compared with 3.2% a decade earlier. The drug crisis comes as the local job market is very tight with the New York City unemployment rate at 4.1%. And the Labor Department said job openings in August topped a record 7 million nationwide, with the number of openings exceeding job seekers by 900 in 2000, as the national unemployment rate stands at a 49-year low of 3.7%. Analysts believe there is a direct connection between drug-impaired workers and employers' inability to fill open slots. Bad stuff there. Mail online. FDA committee votes to approve approve an opioid tablet 1,000 times stronger than morphine. But even the group's own chair warns it will cause death. On October 12th, an FDA advisory voted 10 to 3 for the approval of a sufentanil tablet. It's something you get when you take anesthesia, but they're going to make it into a tablet. Sufentanil is an opioid between 500 and 1,000 times stronger than morphine. It is at least 10 times more powerful than its cousin, fentanyl. Hospitals use sufentanil injections in anesthesia. Now the FDA is poised to approve a single-dose tablet to dissolve under patients' tongues. But the advisory committee's chair, Dr. Rayford Brown, who was absent for the vote, and his colleagues at Public Citizen have penned a stark warning. They say the drug will only worsen the ongoing opioid crisis. I, don't, I have no idea why they're doing this. why they're doing it. They run their patent the way it's made and the way it's delivered. When the patent goes to run out, they change it. They change it. That makes sense. It's all based on patents, so they continue making money. That makes complete sense. This is a guy in the medical field. He he has uh, uh, information on that. So it has to do with patents running out, being able to make things available, so you keep the money coming in. But that's serious. If people start dying from that, they're going to have to pull it. Anyway, morality today from CNS. Alabama Supreme Court upholds personhood of unborn babies. 
I'll read that again. Alabama Supreme Court upholds personhood of unborn babies. Judge calls for an end to Roe v. Wade. Now, before I even read this article, do you think that anybody on the left is going to challenge this to the Supreme Court? (laughs) Absolutely not. Two years ago, that would have been the first thing they did is take it up to the SCOTUS. Now, I bet you that nobody will challenge this because they know that it would be overthrown and there would be a precedent. Here we go. The Alabama Supreme Court unanimously voted to uphold the value and personhood of unborn babies in the womb on Friday, October 19th in the case of Jesse Lavelle Phillips versus the state of Alabama. Has anybody here heard this? No. Nobody. Of course not. This would have made national news if it was the opposite rendering, and it would still be after the 19th of October. It's, what, t- uh, 10 days ago? It, we'd still be hearing about it. Not a peep. Okay. It says... Um, On December 18th, 2015, in the Marshall Circuit Court, Jesse Phillips was convicted of the 2009 intentional killing of his wife, Erica Phillips, and their unborn child, Baby Doe, and sentenced to death. According to the case report, Erica Phillips had been approximately eight weeks pregnant when she was murdered. In its opinion, which upheld the decisions of the Marshall Circuit Court and the Court of Criminal Appeals, the Alabama Supreme Court wrote, Alabama recognizes an unborn baby as a life worthy of respect and protection. In other words, under the criminal laws of the state of Alabama, the value of the life of an unborn child is no less than the value of the lives of other persons. Didn't make CNN, I guarantee you that. I would like to see some conservative group challenge this. I'd like to see them go in and challenge it simply so it goes to SCOTUS. I would love to see that now that we have a favorable group of people up there. If we could get, I don't know how you do that. I don't know anything about legal matters, but it would be wonderful to see this happen. Goes on. It says, um, Jesse Phillips had appealed his death sentence, arguing that the term person does not include an unborn child. Well, it does, and you killed your own child there, doofus. And taking issue with the Marshall Circuit Court's application of the Brody Act, which states that the term person, when referring to the victimhood of a criminal homicide or assault, means a human being, including an unborn child in utero at any, any, any stage of development, regardless of viability. So it could even be not viable... And it is a person. The Alabama Supreme Court affirmed the application of the Brody Act. Justice Tom Parker, concurring specially with the court's decision, emphasized the rights of the unborn children under Alabama law and argued that Roe versus Wade is a legal anomaly and logical fallacy. In Roe, SCOTUS, without historical or constitutional support, carved out an exception to the rights of unborn children and prohibited states from recognizing an unborn child's inalienable right to life when that conflicts with a woman's right to abortion. The judicially created exception of Roe is an aberration to the natural law and the positive and common law of the states. I urge the United States Supreme Court to overrule this increasingly isolated exception to the rights of unborn children, he wrote. As states like Alabama continue to provide greater and more consistent protection for the dignity of the lives of the unborn children, the Roe exception is a stark legal and logical contrast that grows ever more alienated from and adverse to the legal fabric of America. According to the report, Jesse Lavelle Phillips versus State of Alabama is the first case in the state of Alabama in which one of capital murder victims is an unborn child. Now, if Darlene is watching online right now, which she does at times, she is jumping out of her seat. She is one of the greatest proponents of getting rid of abortion that I've ever met 
she devotes her life to that cause. So if you're there, Darlene, I know that you're a very happy camper right now. I am. I, I hope that I hope that somebody will just take that and challenge it simply to get it up there. All right, our other category, American military news. Putin says life was better under the great state of the USSR. Yeah. President Putin made headlines this week for a surprising remark on the former USSR. Putin described the USSR as a great state of which former Soviet Republic people regret losing. Former Soviets interpret it in their own way, but all the same, they believe that the life in the Soviet Union was more secure, calmer. They felt sure of themselves, he said. There were more opportunities in one great united powerful state. Putin has previously expressed regretful remarks over the USSR's collapse, having called it the greatest geopolitical disaster of the 20th century. In March, Putin said the one event in history he would change was the collapse of the USSR. You see, all my ancestors in the past were peasant serfs while I'm the president, he explained. However, Putin was also asked which period of time he would choose to live in, to which he responded that he would choose the present day, indicating that he may not necessarily agree with everything from the Soviet era. No, it's because he's the president now and he loves that he's the president. Putin's comments reflect the older population of Russians who hold favorable views toward the Soviet era and are even nostalgic about it. A further surprise was that the view is shared by those from other countries in Central and East Europe and the Democrat Party of the United States of America. Okay, I added that in. (laughs) U.S. Russians' nostalgia may be connected to their current views on quality of life and economy. Just 15% of Russians believe they had a better quality of life in 2016 compared to a previous poll four years prior when the number was 30%. So they're saying that now because it's getting worse, it's because we don't have communism. When, in fact, they've got the guy that wants communism so he gets more control over him. Wow, talk about not thinking well. Anyway, EBRD chief economist Sergei Guryev attributed the dismal numbers to job loss and economic policies. Right now, in most of our countries, the majority doesn't seem to prefer democracy over authoritarian rule, whereas in Germany, 80% do. Well, that's because they have a pretty free economy there still. They're making lots of money and they're living well. Why don't they follow that model instead of going back to something that did not work? From HuffPo, Putin hails sunset of U.S. global domination due to mounting mistakes. Luckily, this monopoly is disappearing. It's almost done. He's speaking of the United States, the Russian president said in his annual foreign policy speech. President Putin gloated about what he sees as the end of the United States world dominance due to growing mistakes. Putin also claimed America holds some responsibility for the disappearance of Washington Post columnist James Khashoggi. There you go. Because the Saudi journalist was living in the United States, he said. He did not elaborate. Well, yeah, he's in another country and it's our fault. Anyway, as for the U.S., he said that the empires often think they can make some little mistakes because they're so powerful. But when the number of these mistakes keeps growing, it reaches a level they cannot sustain. He added, a country can get the sense from impunity that you can do anything. This is the result of the monopoly from a unipolar world. Luckily, this monopoly is disappearing. It's almost done. Now, the sense of impunity that you can do anything, talk about Gog Magog. He better read his Bible and figure it out before he goes down there because they are going to be utterly destroyed over one little mistake, right? From CNBC. Putin says Russia will deploy hypersonic missiles in coming months, surpassing the United States and China. 
President Putin said that Moscow will deploy hypersonic weapons in the coming months, a significant step that would enable the Kremlin to surpass the United States and China. A hypersonic weapon can travel at least five times the speed of sound or about one mile per second. I could be home in one second if I got on one of those. What's more, the U.S. is currently unable to defend against this breed of threat. We have no defense against a hypersonic weapon. Putin added that Moscow's hypersonic weapons program was ahead of its competitors. Scary world. But I'm going to add in something a little fun about Putin because why not? From the sun, make my days. Gun-toting action man Vladimir Putin cuddles a leopard and poses topless with a fish tank in his latest calendar. They've got a Putin calendar in Russia that people run out to buy. Yes, so here we go. Putin's wholly anticipated new calendar has hit the shelves in Russia and online. You can buy it online, kids. Okay? The strongman leader can be seen in a raft of poses, several of them in his trademark topless style. Emblazoned across the front of this year's calendar is a quote from Putin saying, I admire Russian women. Then he goes on. The first, um, you got 12 calendars. This one, make my day. Putin poses Dirty Harry style with a gun at a firing range. The next one, what a catch. The Russian leader poses topless with the catch of the day following a fishing trip. The next one, fancy a dip? Vlad takes a dip in front of priests on the day of Epiphany on January 6th north of Moscow. And then from the next month, KGBB. The former KGB agent is pictured riding a horse in this year's offering. And then the next one, pumping iron. The Russian president is famed for his love of physical exercise. Next one, from Russia with puppy love. Putin is pictured cuddling up with a Labrador puppy to show off his softer side. And then the next one, Top Gun. Putin channels Tom Cruise as he poses in a jet complete with helmet and oxygen mask in the action-packed calendar. And the next one, a fistful of rubles. The Russian president likes to exude a manly image in his photo shoots. And then the next one, Blades of Glory. On top of all outdoor activities, he was also snapped taking to the ice in the Russian national ice hockey kit. And finally, Blue Steel. Perhaps the most presidential of the bunch shows Putin in a traditional Russian hat. So there you go. Go get your calendar today, kids. And I've got a less Rick for you on. Are you looking that up right now? He is. He's looking up the photos right now. Okay, here's a less Rick. I'll let you guess which one this is about. Folks are Russian to check out the pics of the leader that does good with chicks. Be it fish, dog, or horse, he's a nice guy, of course. No disputin, he's one bag of tricks. There you go, so good job, Les. Okay, then we have an irony and an odd for the week, which is entitled In and Out. But before I give that to you, I'd like to remind you that Sergio and Rhoda's video will be linked at the end of the Prophecy Update, and it's also in the comments section. You can click on it there. This one is on Ain Bokek. It's a wonderful update down by the Dead Sea. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. From Mail Online, this is our irony and odd in and out. Inmate escaped correctional facility and then returned with contraband to sell on the prison's black market. In and out. And the next one from Mail Online. Hungry thief, 34, is arrested after he was caught on security footage robbing a Georgia subway of $100 before running back into the eatery for his sandwich. He forgot his sandwich, so he ran back in and they got his face. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. 
This is the Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.